You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Mais bruh, it's Victory Monday. Welcome to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's your main man, Matt Miguez here. I had to open the show with May bruh because James didn't think I would actually do it. And I'm a man of my word and I like to prove people wrong. So we did that. Happy Monday. Hope you had a good weekend. I did. Bring in the producer extraordinaire, James Mesh. James, good afternoon, bud. How was your weekend? It was pretty good. I really enjoyed my Sunday. Did you? Yeah, I did. You did? I did. Cajun's baseball? Mm-hmm. Got that done quick and early, and then I took a nice nap, and then I went over to my friend's new apartment, like I said, and then we had hung out a bunch, and we had we had hung out all day on Saturday, so. That's awesome. That's awesome. Big weekend here in Acadiana. Cajuns baseball winning two out of three against Georgia Southern. Cajuns softball went on the road and took three out of four over the last week, defeating Texas and then taking two out of three over Texas State. LSU baseball, they struggled a little bit. Dropped a, uh, they, they gave up a crooked inning Thursday to Auburn, bounced back well on Friday, and then just couldn't quite get it done on Saturday. Uh, they only won one out of three in that series at home. You had a hell of a Final Four, Kansas and Villa, and Kansas and North Carolina, both winning their games to move on to the national championship game tonight. And WrestleMania was one for the books. There was also some breaking news, little little less than an hour ago, from Adam Schefter, and it is a draft trade. The Philadelphia Eagles will send picks number 16, number 19, and number 194 to the Saints in exchange for pick number 18, pick number 101, and pick number 237, a 2023 first-rounder, and a 2024 second-rounder. Now, on paper, it looks like a lot. It looks like the Saints gave up a lot to get very little. However, you moved up two spots. And secured an additional first-round pick for this year's draft. And you gave up next year's first-rounder. But you know what that tells me? That tells me that Mickey Loomis and Dennis Allen have confidence that this team's going to be good this year. And that that first-round pick might not be worth a whole hell of a lot next year. So, if they, if they believe they go as far as they think they could, that that'll just be it'll be like a... 28th, 29th pick, and that's yep. essentially just a high second rounder. Right. So now the Saints have two picks at 16 and 19. The question is, what are they up to? Are they going to go offensive tackle and receiver in the first round? Are they going to go two receivers, like I've seen some people say? Are they going to draft offensive tackle and a quarterback? There's a lot of questions. Phone lines are open 706 and here in Acadiana, you can watch the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. James, what do you want the Saints to do 
with these two picks. Get a tackle and get the receiver. Don't touch quarterback. Don't double up on receiver. Don't double up on tackle either. So what? Let me ask you this: What's the backup plan? Because like you're gonna you're gonna go into the draft having a list of guys that it's a uh, hey if this guy is here, we you, take you him. take him no matter what. Yeah. Say you know sixteen, your guy's there, right? And you take him. Yeah. But then your guy that you wanted for nineteen gets taken at like seventeen. Do you trade out of that nineteenth pick, or do you have somebody else? Like, like are, you asking, the, are you asking me right, like, personally? If, or are you if, asking if you're if you're if you're Mickey Loomis, and say the guy that you wanted at nineteen gets picked before you can get there, do you trade out of it? It depends on how I look at my board and how I grade. It depends on the players that I'm grading because if I think there's somebody else that's that's still worthy of being picked at this spot, but it's a different position. Say like let's say it's a linebacker that fits the mold that that the Saints are looking for. Right. Then, uh, then go get him. I mean, that's the same thing to do with Peyton Turner. I mean, I like it. Am I – do I mind going back? No. No. I mean, if I can get some good draft capital for 19 and then have a, some good – like a second and a third or second and fourth or a second, third, and a fifth, and then I give them a fourth myself and right. I get another pick, like whatever, like that's some good draft capital because – Look at the Saints. They're really good at getting second, third, and fourth round picks to work out for them. Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas. I could continue, but you know, I've made my point. And a lot of people are bashing this trade. A lot of people think that, you know, the Saints gave up too much, blah, blah, blah. If you look at it, the seventh rounder and the sixth rounder basically cancel each other out, right? So now you're giving up a third rounder a first rounder next year and a second rounder in 2024 to get a second first rounder this year and move up two spots so on paper yes it looks like the Saints gave up a lot and and they did however you're getting a lot back so it, it it's an interesting it's an interesting dynamic because now th- this works out for the Eagles also because they're going to get pick number eighteen. Well, they already had fifteen, so now they're at fifteen and eighteen, and then the Saints are at sixteen and nineteen now. Man, that stretch with, of the draft the char- is going to be wild with the Chargers uh, stuck in between. Them. That stretch of the draft is going to be wild. I just I just got an uh, interesting phone call. Okay, I and I I want to address it because. Okay. He, I didn't get a name. He just told me his two thoughts, and then pretty much said, "All right, I'm, I'm good. I'm out." But the first, I'll get the basketball out, one out the way. He's saying he's picking North Carolina win tonight. That's cool. I mean, I would probably pick them too. I disagree wholeheartedly, but okay. I, I mean, I could see either or. They're both good, but I mean, wouldn't be surprised if North Carolina just makes the magical run at eight. But the one that really kind of got to me was saying trade Michael Thomas. Because, like, I get it. You're upset that he hasn't been healthy in two years and he had, like, his whole – the whole debacle with Sean Payton. You and see? I, and I get it. I, I get it. But you can't just look at it straight from the player because look at it. Look at what he's done when he's healthy. He broke a record after getting paid. Usually receivers, when they get paid, 
they they go down in production. Mike went up. So that's a good sign that he's stepping up to the plate and he's earning his dollar. But let's say let's say you do want to trade him. Let's say you do that. When it comes to trading someone like him, looking at his contract, the Saints are only they're at less than 20 million in cap space now because of their recent signings that they made over the weekend with BJ Williams and Jaleel Johnson. Right. They're under 20 million now. Probably probably about 16. Maybe even 15 or less. Mike Thomas's dead cap, which if you are to release or trade him, if he is not on your team this year, you are taking a nearly $40 million cap hit. So you're going to go from 15, 16 to negative 25 to about negative 25. And you can't be in the negatives by the time you get to, and you've already made all these moves with Tehran and Malcolm Jenkins and all these other players that helped you get to that spot. If you're going to trade your, your, one of your best assets, and and, and your your even only, though you're on even though you're on good terms with the receiver now, and your only, only competent receiver you even more. Yeah, your only really good competent receiver. So uh, you see, callers, callers that make comments like that, I, I really wish they would stay on the line, because my my question is, and I'm one of those people that I believe that everybody is tradable for the right price. Nobody is untouchable. I believe that. Two questions. Number one, realistically, what do you think you're going to get for Michael Thomas? A guy who hasn't played in a year. We think he's great. We know he's great. He didn't play all last year, and he played seven games. But but the guy hasn't played in a year and a half. So right now, his value he hasn't been healthy isn't, what it, isn't what it would normally be. Yeah. So what are you going to get for him? And secondly, if you trade him... Who's James going to throw to? Because he's because he's been one to throw to Mike Deontay, since he got here. Deontay Hardy becomes your number one. Like like who? Do you want Marquez back at number one like, again? Who, who are you going to throw to? Because they haven't signed a number two. They brought back Traquan Smith and they brought back Deontay Hardy on a tender. I mean, I, I love I love opinions, but but sometimes I just I don't I don't get that. I don't get that at all. I just again, Michael Thomas has broken records ever ever since he's gotten into the league. What, like, why would you, why why would you want to do that? Let's go to the game hotline. Ralph joins the show. Ralph, happy Monday, man. What's going on? Hey, man, how y'all doing? Uh, well, yeah, I wouldn't even broach the Michael Thomas subject right now. You know, if he comes back healthy and puts up another hundred plus catch season, then we can talk about trade value. But right now, you're exactly right. I mean, we. We have no idea what to expect from him, and and uh, and you know, best case scenario is he does come back healthy, and, and and Jameis does have a a legitimate number one target because even drafting a wide receiver at number one is not a not a guarantee by by any stretch of the imagination. But I got to tell you, I, you know, in all honesty, and this is coming from a a 62 year old Saints fan who watched the opening kickoff going way back when. You know, sometimes I like the aggressiveness, but, but you know, I'm kind of tired of trading away draft picks constantly. I think, you know, just once I'd like to see a state put value the draft picks, sign more guys on rookie contracts, you know, where you have – you don't have salary cap woes constantly and, 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 and value those picks a little more. I mean, you know, what, what are you realistically – 
going to get this year by moving up two 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 spots. Now, you know, granted, you pick up one more number one, but then you give up a future number one and a number two. That's a that's a lot of draft capital, in my opinion. I think the Eagles won this. You know, you never know until you actually see who you got. I get that part of it. I just on pay right. My initial thought is, wow, I I just don't think we should be doing that. You know. See, I I think it's a great trade for us. I, I think I yeah. think I think now with with two first round picks, you can solidify getting a tackle who more likely than not will be a Pro Bowl tackle. You get a solidified number two receiver with you, you got multiple options. You can go Jamison Williams, you can go Chris Olave, you can go Garrett Wilson, Drake London might still even be there. So you've got four potential options for a solid long term number two receiver. And, you know, like like we said with the Dennis Allen and Mickey Loomis thing, they clearly have the confidence to think that we're gonna be good enough in twenty twenty two to where that first round pick is going to be, you know, 25 or later. Well, I, I sure hope that's the case, but I, you know, I, I, I and maybe it is. I, I hope, I hope it all works out. We, we, we just have so many question marks. We, we, we don't even know Jameis's health really, you know, and, and, and I was very disappointed to, to read that we may lose our comp pick with Armstead because of the Andy Dalton signing. I like Dalton solid backup, but, why couldn't we sign it for two point nine million? To, so we wouldn't have, you know, have the uh, have the comp pick taken away. But I don't know. I mean, I hope I'm wrong, but but I just um, I don't think Golovay is going to be there for sure. Uh, and um, man, I, I just like I said, I, I hope you know. I, I just don't think this is one of the better drafts that it was so deep at wide receiver. You, you could have gone third or fourth round there. I think it still pick up guys. But um, but I think the next next year is better than this year. But hey, what do I know? You know, um, it is what it is. So we we just have to hope for the best and and just hope they don't pick a, a and then <laughs> another season with Ruiz in the first round. An, an, another, another another thing that the people are talking about, Ralph, and and I find this quite interesting. Say Sean Payton wants to get back into coaching next year. He's going to have to be traded. Because we have him under yeah, contract well, until 2024. Yeah, no, I, and there's a lot of speculation about that, and that would be, you know. So you could get Sean those Payton picks told, back. You know, whisper something in there to hear that we don't know. Uh, you know, obviously the, the wish, I know the Dallas Cowboys covered him, and, and, and they would probably give up whatever we asked for. Uh, I, I get that that aspect of it, but again, that's just, with there's been so many great coaches that have gone to the broadcast booth, and man, you think I, I thought for sure Bill Cowher would would just come, you know, for sure return to coaching, and you know they just end up kind of liking the lifestyle and making as much money without the without the stress. So um, that's it's just, I mean, again, it's all speculation. Who knows? Maybe Michael Thomas comes back completely healthy. Jameis Winston. He races the interceptions, throws thirty touchdowns, and we, you know, everything's all great with the world. But um, I, like I said, I just at some point I would love to see us build a young team, a young nucleus, and maybe you have to pay the piper for for one year or two years. But you can you can win quick as the Bengals have shown by drafting well. And, and so anyway, but all right, man. Well, y'all have a good Monday. I mean,
Enjoy the show. Appreciate the call, Ralph. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I get that. I, I get the concern. It's it, it's a make or break pick. It, I mean, it's a make or break trade because if, you know, say 16 and 19 don't work out, the players you draft don't work out, and then you're not very good this year, and that pick that you traded away for next year becomes a top 10 pick, then the Saints look like a joke. I get it. But in today's league, that's a risk you got to run. It is. It's a risk you got to run. What was Billy Napier's signature, I guess you could say, catchphrase? Scared money don't make money. There you go. Scared money don't make money. If you're just going to play conservative the whole time and you're going to fall back in drafts because you didn't get the exact guy that you wanted. Yep. No, I'm with you. Let's take a time out here, and when we come back, phone lines are open once again. We'll talk some Cajuns baseball. Big weekend at MLT Moore Field for Matt Deggs and company. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The final night of this crazy college basketball season is here, and FanDuel Sportsbook is giving new customers $150 instant bonus guaranteed. That's right, you'll get $150 in instant bonus credit, and all you have to do is place your first bet of $5 or more. How you bet the championship game is completely up to you. You can choose between the money line, the totals, the prop bets, and so much more. I'm going to have to go with North Carolina to win this one tonight. I know it's a little bit of an upset, but why not? It's the final night. Join FanDuel today with promo code KLWB. Then you can place your bet of $5 or more to score $150 in bonus like credit guaranteed. That's promo code KLWB on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions do apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Let's go right back to the game hotline. James joins the show. James, happy Monday, man. How are you? I'm good, sir. How about yourself? Oh, man. Fantastic. What what you got? Hey, I really, I'm, I'm digging the trade. I really, I, I, I like it. I think the Saints, you know, I'm not even going to comment on the whole, you know, trade, trade our wide receiver call. I, I was hitting the my top of my roof whenever that one came through, but I think the Saints have been very methodical. I think their 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 pace and the way they've approached everything with the quarterbacks and the coaches, I'm I'm liking it. Uh, I really think that they're going to try to build through the draft. I can see them taking some offensive linemen. You know, there's that that big guy. You know, I think this is going to be their small college guys that they always try to pull that nobody else is really looking at. You know, that big offensive lineman out of Central Michigan, Barnhard, I forget his last name. He's a stud. I think maybe even like a, you know, later on in some later rounds, like a Max Mitchell maybe here from uh, Louisiana. Um, I think wide receivers, there's a, there's a lot of second-tier kind of guys there. Uh, that that kid out of uh, Jalen out of uh, South Alabama, I can't remember his last name. Jalen Tolbert. Later on. 
Yeah, and uh, like Romeo uh, Dubs out of uh, Nevada and some later rounds. I just think they're really going to go in and, and beef up the offensive line, try to protect Jameis, get him some good hands around him, and, and I'm really looking forward to the year. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think they're re- reloading, not rebuilding. Um, and, and I don't know if you guys, I'm sure you tuned into this, but there's even a silver lining with some of the suspension stuff that's coming on, right, with our safety we signed and with Alvin Kamara. Um, those players that are suspended, what we would have paid them in salary, that goes right back into the salary cap. Right. So we're going to have even more cap space that we got to use this year or roll over to next year. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, lo- I love that you mentioned some, some Sunbelt guys. Jalen Tolbert is, is a deadly deep threat weapon. And then Max Mitchell, again, call me biased because I'm a Cajuns guy, but Max Mitchell might be the diamond in the rough of this tackle group. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And there's some there's some there's some safeties further down, and there's I think there's really just there, it's, some initial Saints fans I think are going to be disappointed because it's not going to be a lot of flash. But I think there's going to be you got to build a foundation before you build a mansion. Right. And I think that's the mission the Saints are on this year. Hey, pretty, pretty doesn't always win. Yep. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks, for taking my call. Appreciate the call, man. But yeah, again, I've I've said this multiple times. In the second, third round, dude, if Max Mitchell is still on the board, the Saints need to go get him. I mean, he's having his pro day today. He looks great. He went to the Reese Senior Bowl in Mobile. And he looked fantastic there. Uh, according to his combine grade, he got a combine grade of 6.2. His 40-yard dash was a 5.3. He had a vertical jump of 25 feet. And he had a 20-yard shuffle of 465 the kid's phenomenal. 6'6", 307 pounds. He has a 33-and-a-half-inch wingspan, or his arms are 33-and-a-half, and then his hands are 10 inches. 10-inch hands. Do you know how big that is? That is massive. That's that's bigger than my hand, and I got big hands. That's wild. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about this trade. We'll talk about the next couple weeks for the Saints with Ross Jackson. From the Locked On Saints Network, he'll join us on the other side of this timeout. So don't go anywhere. This is the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Had a rough day at work? Got lady problems? Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. If you want to experience Festival International like never before, we can help. You can win the game's Festival International prize pack. Sign up for the Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com and you will get the chance to score a pair of Bonton passes. You'll get exclusive access to front row and stage areas, shaded seating, air-conditioned restrooms, express drink lines, shirts, pins, and a festival poster. I mean, what more do you need? Experience Festival like never before by winning the Festival International prize pack from the game. 
Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Let's talk some black and gold. We're going to talk the signing, the signings from the weekend. We're going to talk the trade that went down today. And a little bit of extra, or like we call it in Louisiana, some lanyap. With the man, Ross Jackson of the Locked On Saints Network. Ross, good afternoon, bud. How are you? Hey, buddy. Doing great, man. Glad to be here with you. Uh, thanks for having me back. Yeah, man. Let's let's dive right into this trade. The Saints move up and get number 16 as well as number 19 in exchange for their 18, a third rounder, a seventh rounder, a first rounder next year, and then a second rounder in 2024. On paper, like we were talking about earlier, it seems like a lot. But when you really dive into the values of these picks, at least to me, it seems like the Saints won this deal. Yeah, look, I think that, you know, I think who wins this deal is going to come down to who was selected after all this is said and done, right, of course. And, and, but I do think that the Saints are in prime position here because it opens up all options for them with this year's draft. I think it's pretty clear that New Orleans Saints like this year's draft class. They haven't spent a lot of money in free agency. They didn't get in a rush to fill holes, even as they were created. Uh, you know, you saw the, the pursuit of Marquez Valdez-Scantling, for instance, that, you know, uh, for a pretty menial deal, he ended up going to the Kansas City Chiefs instead. So, anyway, and I think the Saints are trying to get a two-year deal with them, all these other things. So there's a lot of things that factor into that. But they haven't been in a rush to spend a lot of money. They've been patient, like they usually have been. And I think that when you see all of that, Plus, when you look at the fact that they have moved up now and they went from having one selection in the first round to two selections in the first round, and the fact that they did it a couple of weeks ahead of the NFL draft, usually the Saints don't even start moving around the draft until draft day when draft capital is at its absolute highest, which is tricky for a team like the New Orleans Saints who tend to move up, which means they're paying premium costs on draft day. Now they get ahead of all of the you know sort of bidding contests and things like that that can take place during the draft. But I do think that, the big question is, is giving up the future capital worth it? But honestly, if they like this year's draft class enough to do this, I don't think that they care. I think that this puts them in a situation where they get to take advantage of the prospects and the selections that they feel most positive about and feel like they can get the most value from right now. All right, Ross. Jaleel Johnson, the defensive tackle from the Texans that the Saints signed over the weekend. What do you know about him and what does he provide for this team? Yeah, look, I think he's somebody that gives you rotational depth. Uh, he's somebody that does have a, you know, some pretty good athleticism at the position. He brings you, uh, you know, a nice ability to be able to pass rush, but is a little bit more of a run stopper, but can do a little bit of both for sure. Um, you know, doesn't have a ton of snaps under his belt and is only, I think, 27 years old. So he's a great developmental piece. We've seen what Ryan Nielsen has been able to do with that type of talent. You pair him up along with uh, Contavia Street, who is also a, a, a free agent signed at the same position, and then you have them rotate and compete with guys like Shai Tuttle, who's on his way back. It would be great to see Christian Ringo back in the mix and in training camp as well. And then, of course, the other pieces that they have, like Albert Huggins and so on and so forth. I mean, you have to maximize here how many potential players you can look at at this position next to David on Yamada in order to make sure that you have that interior defense really, really sewn up on the defensive line. So I wouldn't be surprised to see the Saints also try to address this position in the draft with a really, really deep trench class. Chatting with Ross Jackson from the USA Today Network. Ross, you know, I haven't. Is, this is kind of old news now, but I haven't really got to talk to you about it. What are your thoughts on the Andy Dalton deal coming to be Jameis Winston's backup? 
Oh, I think this is great. I mean, look, uh, the Saints weren't able to get Trevor Simeon back. I don't know if they were, I don't know how much they tried to get Trevor Simeon back either, but, you know, Trevor Simeon got his little, you know, a couple of, couple of year deal, two, $2 million a year or whatever it was over in Chicago. And then the Saints brought Chicago's backup back, uh, in Andy Dalton to the, to the Saints. And, and I think that puts them in position to finally have that veteran backup quarterback that helps on the sidelines, that holds the clipboard, that works with the starting quarterback, that can help to maximize that young quarterback in Jameis Winston. And now potentially, depending upon where the Saints go in the first round, potentially a young quarterback going into another year if they keep Andy Dalton around. And so I think that that's a good spot for the New Orleans Saints to be. They love that position. They use, you know, Luke McCown that way, Mark Brunel that way. Uh, Chase Daniel was really the last one. And then after that, with Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston, all those guys, Trevor Simeon, they've all had to play games instead of being that guy. So this is really giving the opportunity now to the Saints to have that veteran quarterback that helps sort of as that additional coach on the sideline talking to and working up that young quarterback that's your starter. Looking at some mock drafts for where the Saints are picking now at 16 and 19, you know, some names that are still listed are Drake London, Chris Olave, you know, Jamison Williams falling with that ACL injury, uh, Bernard Raymond from Central Michigan, the tackle, you know, Malik Willis is hanging around there. What, what do you see? What do you see the Saints doing with 16 and 19? I, I think personally that they should stay put at 16 and 19. Tony Pauline, the Pro Football Network, mentioning that the Saints may want to walk away from round one with a quarterback and a wide receiver. That's fine. I think as long as they walk away with a wide receiver, to be honest. But I think that the big piece here is that they can do that and then still be able to address the tackle position if they feel that there's a need there behind James Hurst or even ahead of James Hurst. They could do that because they still held on to their second-round draft pick this year. They still held on to their third-round draft pick this year. So they still have four top 100 selections, three of which are in the top 100, two of which, excuse me, are in the top 50, two of which in the top 20. So I could see them doing something like, let's say, Kenny Pickett, and my favorite wide receiver in this year's draft class is Chris Olave, but they could go with any of those other guys that you mentioned, including also Garrett Wilson. You can throw Traylon Burks in there. Christian Watson could even work his way into the first round. A lot of different opportunities for them to be able to do that and then turn around at 49 and still grab a developmental tackle or even trade up again in the second round to get a Jaquan Brisker who can fill in immediately for a guy like Malcolm Jenkins, who just recently retired. So the Saints have a lot of options now that they'll be able to utilize now that they have those two first-round picks. Every option is available to them. Chatting with Ross Jackson, you know, I, I was looking at, at some, some mock drafts, and I already have a, a Michael Thomas jersey, but I'll tell you this. If, <laughs> if the Saints go Chris Olave, Malik Willis, and then in the second round they draft Max Mitchell out of Louisiana – I'm going to be buying a lot more Saints jerseys. A lot of Saints jerseys for you right there. Yeah, I'm going to be buying <laughs> be a lot of jerseys. To see, to see Malik Willis fall that far. But I'll tell you what, to be completely honest with you, there are so many different possibilities here with that quarterback class because there's so much. There's not really a consensus in terms of what who's at the top of that class, where they're going to be. Remember, we saw that happen a few years ago. We watched you know, uh, Lamar Jackson nearly fall entirely out of the first round had yep. it not been for – the Baltimore Ravens trading up to draft them. So the Saints could potentially be in a position to take advantage of some questionable drop like that this year. Ross, you know, the looking at the cap situation, the Saints still have somewhere in the neighborhood of, of 18 to 22 million to, to play with. 
do do you see any other free agent signings coming the Saints' way, or or do you think they're just going to kind of hold on to that money? I, I think probably holding on to that money it looks to be more likely. I could, I mean, they're going to add more free agents because they have to fill out a ninety-man roster, and they're not going to fill the remaining twenty or so spots just with the draft class and undrafted free agency. So there are going to be some of those free agent moves that are going to come in, and they're going to be those guys that they sign that are kind of aging veterans that. You know, they just want to get a quick look at. We see them do that every year, in particularly at the running back and linebacker positions uh, during training camp. So there's still going to be some action there. I do think, though, that anything that happens before the NFL draft will very likely be guys that are outgoing free agents, like still available free agents like Quan Alexander and Will Clapp, like Dwayne Washington, those types of players I could see being the quote-unquote next moves if they make any more moves in free agency ahead of the draft. But in terms of outside free agents, they might be better off waiting until after the draft, particularly if any of those marquee free agents like Tyron Matthew, for instance, is still hanging out there because then that keeps that signing from impacting their potential compensatory picks going into 2023. So that could be you know, kind of a, a, a little mechanism that they could use in their favor with a later free agency signing after the draft. Chatting with Ross Jackson. Ross, looking at the NFC South as a whole, you know, Tom Brady returns to Tampa Bay. Bruce Arian steps away from football. So now in the NFC South, your longest tenured head coach is Matt Rule. That feels uh, right. Right. rude. Like it feels offensive. Right. Uh, but you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And, and and it's funny because they're they're almost Still, the Carolina Panthers is the most dysfunctional organization within that division, although the Atlanta Falcons have kind of given them a little bit of a run for their money this offseason. And isn't it, isn't it hilarious as, as Saints fans just sit back and watch it all implode? It is. I mean, it, it, it's a fun thing to see, and I think that it, it, it all the more keeps the Saints in the conversation as a team that can still compete this year, too, because you build your team most immediately to compete within the division. You win the division, you get into the playoffs, period, no questions asked. And so if the Saints are the second-best team in the playoffs before the season begins, then that puts them in a position to potentially win the division by the time that it's all said and done. And with the way that the NFC has the sort of great migration of the, uh, of the quarterbacks that have left the NFC and have now gone to the AFC, that puts the Saints in better position because really the only quarterbacks that got added to the NFC conference were Carson Wentz right. over in Washington. And so I think that for the most part, just seeing that, and there, you know, there are others, obviously, and there are you know, Marcus Mariota, I guess. And so I think that's for the Saints, that puts them in position to make a move like what they made today, to where they see themselves as a competitive team, to where they don't mind giving up that first-round pick in 2023 because they don't think it's going to be an early pick. That's the type of confidence, that's the type of expectation you have to have to make a move like that. And the way that the other teams within the division have responded and have you know, made moves throughout the offseason certainly helps to solidify why they make that choice. Do you think Marcus Mariota is going to be the Saints starter? I mean, the Falcons starter, excuse me? I, I think it depends. I mean, maybe Atlanta drafts Malik Willis, but I don't know if Malik Willis is ready to start right away. And so I think, you know, there's a world in which Malik Willis starts right away and then Marcus Mariota kind of becomes what we just discussed with Andy Dalton for Malik Willis. But I think that probably at least at this point, the outlook is that Marcus Mariota would be the starter for the Atlanta Falcons, which would be really interesting because Jameis Winston's expected to be the starter for the Saints, at least for 2022. And, of course, those two went 
one and two in 2015 in the NFL mm-hmm. draft, and Marcus Mariota has beat Jameis Winston in, I think, the three games that they've met, maybe the two games that they've met. And so I think Jameis would love to at least tie or get close to tying that series here in 2022. So I think that'd be a good move for uh, for Jameis Winston, for sure. That'd be awesome. All right, Ross, appreciate you taking the time, my friend. Uh, try try to keep a level head over the next couple of weeks because with, with the draft coming up, things are going to get pretty crazy. It's only going to get wilder from here. Hey, always a pleasure, buddy. Thanks so much for having me on. I'll talk to you here again soon. Y'all stay safe and take care. Absolutely. Ross Jackson of the USA Today Network. Let's take a timeout. When we come back, phone lines are open. We'll finally talk some Cajuns baseball. Supposed to do that earlier, but we got a little sidetracked. That's okay. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. They could debate who should win the MVP, but they'd rather argue who has the best hair in sports talk radio. We just wash the hair. You know, I work on my hair a long time, and you, and you hit it. It hits my hair. Now back to more of the stylish crunch time with Miguez and Mash here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo is coming back. And the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, has free tickets for you. Yes, you. Text ANGOLA to 68683. Once again, ANGOLA, A-N-G-O-L-A, to 68683. The Angola Prison Rodeo returns April 23rd and 21st, 24th. And you can see all the excitement. Bull riding. Wild horse racing, convict poker. That all sounds like a good time. Once again, text ANGOLA to 68683 to watch the world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo, courtesy of Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh here on the game. Let's talk some Cajuns baseball now. Once again, winning two out of three this weekend from the Georgia Southern Eagles. This was a huge series win for the Cajuns. Georgia Southern came into this series with a RPI ranking of 19 in the country. So taking two out of three against this team with the strength of schedule that the Cajuns already have coming into it, as of today, the Cajuns are sitting at 48th nationally in the RPI. Anything above the top 50, you know, you you got a good shot at making the postseason. So... That's big for the Cajuns. They currently have the eighth strongest schedule in the country. Uh, So that's important as well. Friday night started off with a bang, a 6-3 victory for the Cajuns. They got one in the the first, excuse me, on a Max Marshak bomb. James, I want want to, you you don't have to say anything. I just want to walk you through this. So Georgia Southern comes out to bat first. It was a, I'm pretty sure it was, if I remember correctly, it was a three up, three down inning. And Louisiana comes out. The first pitch that Georgia Southern's pitcher Jalen Payton throws, Max Marshak took it for a ride to the left field scoreboard. The very first pitch of the game. It was ridiculous. Uh, Georgia Southern would tie it in their half of the third, but the Cajuns wouldn't stay down long. Kyle DeBarge would hit a two-run shot in the bottom of the third to make it 3-1. to one in favor of Louisiana. Southern would get one in the sixth and then one in the eighth to tie it. But again, here come the Cajuns. 
thanks to a couple errors from Georgia Southern, of course, they would score three, and Louisiana would win game one six to three. Cajuns getting six runs on six hits, no errors. Georgia Southern getting three runs on six hits and two errors in that game. Game two on Saturday, a little bit of a different story. Cajuns would start out hot with a 2 nothing lead after one. They would add a, thir- a third run in the fourth, make it 3 nothing. But then they were silent the rest of the way. Georgia Southern gets two in the eighth, two in the ninth to win it 4-3. to three. Georgia Southern getting four runs on eight hits with three errors. Louisiana three runs on eight hits and no errors in that one. And then on Sunday, Cajuns first four innings, it was anybody's game. Georgia Southern gets one on the top of the fifth to make it one nothing. The Cajuns get three in the fifth and then two in the sixth to really put that game away. And it started with a Warner Rinconis RBI single and then a Max Marshak two-run homer right there in the fifth to give them that 3 nothing lead. And then Julian Brock would come up in the sixth with a two-run homer as well. After the game yesterday, we got the chance to talk with Raging Cajuns head coach Matt Deggs about how important it was to win Sunday after the way Saturday went down. I mean, that goes without saying. That was, uh, it was a toughness day all the way around. You, you know, you can say whatever you want to say uh, unless you've been in this ditch right here as it's tough to respond to what happened yesterday. You're better off responding getting kicked in the gut, you know, to have have it snatched like that from you and then have to wake up less than, I don't know how many hours it was, but it was quick. And uh, I got up at 4. The rest of the kids were eating breakfast here at 7.30. Uh, we're on the field at 8-something taking BP, and uh, it's a quick turnaround. And I thought we did an amazing job. It started with Jeff Wilson on the mound, played good defense, and hitters battled all day today. He mentioned Jeff Wilson, who's having a hell of a year as the Sunday starter. But one another guy that, that deserves the attention is Brandon Talley. Uh, he's come on as, as the Cajuns Friday starter. He's a 3.66 ERA. Four games started. He's pitched 32 innings, 29 hits, 17 runs. 13 of those are earned. 15 walks and 30 strikeouts. Opponents are batting 244 against him. And, you know, he's slowly coming along as, as, a, as a key guy on Fridays. Here's Coach Deggs on Brandon Talley. Yeah, you know, your gut's usually right. At least that's been my experience. And you can be wrong on occasion, but I thought that would be the case in September, just watching him pitch over the last two years. And he's just solid. He's hard to hit. He's hard to square up. If you watch, he doesn't get a lot of stuff squared up. And uh, he can fill his position. He holds runners. Nothing gets too big. I thought he was the right guy tonight for a tight zone. And, you know, the umpire, to his credit, stayed, stayed with him which is all you ask. And, uh, you know, I saw him get frustrated a couple of times, but he held his composure and was able to get us, you know, five and two-thirds. And I thought Dirk was really good again, which is kind of – I wanted him to validate, you know, coming off Tuesday night, and uh, he did. And it's kind of been our formula the last several games, get it to Tommy and then get it to Chip. And I thought Tommy's outing was probably the pivotal outing because it could have spun on us, and he was able to settle back in, and then Julian made a huge defensive play right there on the dirt ball read. James, I just realized that we, we've gone through a whole hour of the show and not once have we mentioned the poll question. 
who's going to cut down the nets tonight? Will it be North Carolina? Will it be Kansas? We'll get you those results at the start of the second hour. Timeout for hour number one here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Yeah, baby. Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, hour number two here on the game. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, our Twitter poll question of the day. Who cuts down the nets tonight in the Superdome? Will it be Kansas? Will it be North Carolina? Will it be the Tar Heels? So far, 58.3% of you say Kansas and 41.7% say North Carolina. I'm going to go Kansas strictly because I think they've been the team to beat since the beginning of this tournament. I think whether Duke would have won or Carolina would have won, Kansas was cutting down the nets winning the national championship tonight anyway. So I'm going to go Bill Self. Mr. Mr. Lifetime contract to uh, to win his second national championship at Kansas. James, what do you think? I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to go with North Carolina. I'm going to take them to win tonight. It'd be a hell of a story. It would be. It would be a hell of a story. It, an, eight, an eight seed where, you know, just a couple months ago, diehard North Carolina fans were, were calling for the man's head. And, you know, now he's got him in the National Championship game. So, yeah, I mean, it, it would be a hell of a story. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Tip-off is at 8.20 here in Acadiana, and you can hear it right here on the game. Uh, another tweet from Adam Schefter coming across the timeline. Tampa Bay's former second-round pick Justin Evans, who has spent the past two years out of football recovering from injuries, is signing a one-year deal to play safety for the New Orleans Saints per his agent, Kevin Connor, He is now healthy and ready to play competitive football. James, your thoughts? Tyron's not coming. Well. Ty- Tyron Matthew is... Because I'd already thought about it yesterday. I was talking with Foot at the game, and I was saying, well, now that, P- now that they actually did sign P.J. Williams, I feel like there's less likely of a chance that they would sign Tyron. But now that they just signed Justin Evans, yeah, he's really not coming. It's, now. now, now it's just not going to happen. Yeah, like I said, I didn't think it was going to. Would have been really nice, of course. Who doesn't want the honey badger? But it, it just didn't feel like that's something the Saints do because they just don't tend to go with talent out of LSU. They just don't. They don't tend to go with people from Baton Rouge. So in his career, he's played two years. He's played two years in the NFL. Uh, 2017 and 2018 with Tampa. In, in in those two years, he played in 24 games. He has 115 tackles. He has eight pass deflections, and he has four interceptions. It's not bad. Not bad in the 24 games. I mean, yeah, one yeah. out of every six. I mean, that's. I mean, that's pretty much what he would average three interceptions a year. Yeah, he's technically been in the league for four years. However, he's only played for two. He's a six foot, 199 pounder out of Texas A&M. And it's a one-year deal. So if it doesn't work out, you know, if he's maybe still not healthy or, you know, whatever it may be, 
after a year, you cut your losses and you move on. I mean that that's not that's not the worst move. And if he can pay off as as a depth piece in the secondary, and let Chauncey Gardner Johnson play his slot corner position like he excels at, then who knows? Th- this could work out pretty well for the Saints. Uh, so so definitely not a bad move there. Once again, phone lines are open. 706-0111 if you want to chime in on the news of the day. Okay, we, we I got to talk about this. Got to talk about this. Our guy Brandon Ertle just posted his Pro Football fo- Focus mock draft. And I'm okay with this, but I want to know what you think. At 16, you draft Trevor Penning tackle from Northern Iowa. At 19, you go get Chris Olave. In the second round, you draft Jalen Petrie, a corner from Baylor. In the third round, you go get Wondell Robinson, the wide receiver from Kentucky. In the fourth round, Brian Robinson Jr., the running back from Alabama. In the fifth round, you go get Nefe Sewell, a linebacker from Utah. And then with your sixth-round pick, Daniel Bellinger, a tight end from San Diego State. In that draft, you have two players rated A. You have two players rated B, one player rated C-, one player rated B-, and one player with a rate of C for an overall draft grade of B+. James, what do you think about that? It started off good. I don't know exactly about Olave. I don't know about... I I think, me personally, I don't think he'll be there at 19. I mean, I don't know if he'll be there at 19 either, but... But the idea of you get your tackle. Like I said, you get your tackle before because there's plenty of receivers. Because even if so, you could still get Jamison Williams, maybe. There's the possibility of Drake London. Jamison Williams. and And no one's talking about this. With Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't none necessarily of, fit the None f- of those guys are Chris Olave, though. No, I know, but that's why I'm saying I think Chris will go early teens. If he's there at sixteen, I think you gotta take him at sixteen. And then you hope that, you know, Trevor Penning or Bernard Raymond, one of those two solid tackles that are in the first round fall to you at 19 or or you just wait for the second round because like you said this draft is deep at receiver however it's also really deep at tackle too so I I think no matter what the Saints do with those two first round picks that that, and you see that's part of the reason why I could see the Saints drafting a quarterback I don't really like any of the quarterback like I told you the only guy that I'd be okay with the Saints drafting in the first round is Malik Willis. I just don't think he'll be there. I don't think he will be either. No, I, I think I think if he's I think if he's there to Atlanta at eight, he's going to Atlanta. But like Kenny Pickett, I don't know. Kenny Pickett doesn't really impress me. Matt Corral's not a first round talent. As good as he is, he's not a first round talent. Um, who else? There's, what other, what other Desmond Ritter. 
don't really think he's a first round talent, but I think somebody's going to reach for him. Someone's going to grab him in the second. Yeah, uh, yeah. None, none of these quarterbacks. I think. I think the quarterback class coming in twenty twenty three is a lot more impressive. A lot of with, people are also talking about Sam Howell. You see, Sam Howell's a guy to watch. Sam Howell's a guy to watch. Um, Everybody he, else, I've never heard of. I'm other than Derek King, but that guy is like Sam not Howell. Even Sam Howell had a rough year this past year, but he's he's done big things in North Carolina. He showed a lot of potential. Sam Howell's a guy to watch. But again, I think next year's draft class with C.J. Stroud, Spencer Rattler, um, D.J. Ugalale, Will Levis, there's a couple other guys too. Um, I, I think next year's draft class at quarterback at least is a lot deeper than than it is this year coming up here in hour number two we're going to be joined on the phone by our man flip white in case you don't recognize the name he is a harlem globetrotter you know the globetrotters playing in the cage dome tomorrow night at seven o'clock he will join us to talk about that their tour you know all things harlem globetrotters we'll dive into that and then at 5 30 matthew bruni of 247 Sports is going to come on to talk LSU baseball struggles and what the hell their basketball team is going to do after they found out this weekend that there are no scholarship athletes still on their basketball roster from a year ago. Things are going to get tricky with that. Before we take a time out, though, I want to talk to you about Cycle Zydeco. Cycle Zydeco is a festival on wheels. Experience mouth-watering Cajun cuisine and live performances by some of the best bands in Louisiana. The ride, which will take place from April 20th to April 24th, includes tours of many attractions and options for camping or staying in hotels. Immerse yourself in Acadiana, the birthplace of Zydeco, which is home to both Cajuns and Creoles alike, and one of the most unique cultures in the United States. For more information, visit CycleZydeco.org. Let's take a timeout. When we come back, Flip White of the Harlem Globetrotters will join us to talk about their game tomorrow night against the Washington Generals. Who's going to win that one? Hmm. This is the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. April 4th, 1988. Kansas defeats Oklahoma 83-79 in the NCAA Men's Tournament Championship game. Jayhawks power forward Danny Manning is named the tournament's most outstanding player. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Hangout Music Fest is returning this summer to Gulf Shores, and the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, has your tickets to this epic weekend of music. You can score VIP passes by becoming a member of the Game Rewards Club at 1037.com or 1041thegame.com. Don't miss the return of Hangout Music Fest, featuring Post Malone, Halsey, and Megan the Stallion. And that's just the headliners. That's Hangout Music Fest, May 20th to 22nd in Gulf Shores, when VIP passes from the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. 
It's time to get you ready for the Harlem Globetrotters at the Cajun Dome tomorrow night, a 7 o'clock tip-off. And here to talk to us about tomorrow night and the Harlem Globetrotters in general is a guard from the Globetrotters, number 19, Flip White. Flip, good afternoon, my man. How are you? Good afternoon. I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Man, we're doing well. We're doing, we are excited about the Harlem Globetrotters coming back to Louisiana. You know, I, I grew yes, up sir. going to Globetrotters games. And uh, so, so getting to go tomorrow night and, and be in attendance for the first time in a few years is, uh, is going to be pretty cool. I'm excited for it. Definitely, definitely, you don't want to miss it. It's going to be a wonderful time tomorrow. So, so walk walk me through it. Like, what's it like, you know, for for guys that you know grew up paying attention to the Globe Trotters and know what the Globe Trotters do? What's it like getting to do that every day? Oh man, it's it's well, it's it's incredible. It's an unbelievable experience. I've been on a team for ten plus years. I've been to all fifty states. I've been to sixty five plus different countries. I've been on American Ninja Warriors. So I've done so many things. Uh, on this team, uh, just, just seeing the different um, aspects of life that's going from out the country and just seeing putting smiles on many, many kids and um, parents' faces. So it's an unbelievable experience. So re- reading your bio, it says that you, you know your grandparents used to take you to Globetrotters games when you were a kid, and you know yes, that, that that helped make want you to become a, a Globetrotter. How cool is it for, for you to come full circle from watching the Globetrotters as a kid to being one now? Uh, it's, it's kind of it's kind of a surreal feeling. Like I said, like you just said, my grandparents took me to uh, to the games when I was like five or six, and at that time I didn't fully understand who the Harlem Globetrotters were until I saw them on my favorite cartoon, Scooby-Doo. So when I saw them on Scooby-Doo, I was like, ah, that's the team that my grandparents used to take me. So just, just um, fast forward to 2022, you know what I mean? Just being on a stage and being a pillar to uh, to other kids like Curly Neal and Meadowlark were, were to me when I was younger is, is unbelievable. Chatting with Flip White of the Harlem Globetrotters, talking about your your, your nickname on the team, Flip. Where where did that come from? Why why did they call you Flip? <laughs> oh man, they call me Flip because I'm super athletic, super acrobatic, and I, sometimes I flip out and get a little crazy on the court. You never know what to expect from me. All right, so let, let's play an over-under for, for tomorrow night's game at the Cajun Dome. Over-under, you know, three-and-a-half flips. Three-and-a-half? Oh, that's, it's, it's, that's definitely under. I do way more than that. Ooh, fancy. All right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm about it. So here's, here's another thing, you know, talking about your, your athleticism. You mentioned that you, that you participated on American Ninja Warrior a couple times. What was yes, what was that experience like? Oh, it was like like it's people that train all year round to be on that show and to compete on that show. And for me to compete on one of the shows was was I enjoyed it because I'm I, I haven't been training to do that. I, yes, I did that as a kid, but I'm training to get dunks and slide dribble and all that stuff for me to go over there and do it and feel. I take my hat off to everybody that that all participated in that because that's not an easy task to do, but it's so much fun and I enjoyed it. Chatting with Flip White of the Globetrotters. Flip, have are you guys already in Lafayette? Do y'all plan on, you know, trying some some Cajun food while y'all are here? 
Oh, we definitely, definitely. I, I, I love like crawfish and all that. I'm a seafood, I'm a seafood type of person, so I I enjoy it. It's the, especially being it's the 2022 World Tour spread game. So y'all spread game with y'all seafood. So we coming in spreading game with what we do, just showcasing the legacy of Curly Neal and everybody that played the way for me, for uh, for me and other players. So yeah, I definitely go and t- um, dabble in the seafood. Fantastic, man! You you mentioned the spread game tour. You know what is what is yes, that sir. initiative like for the Globetrotters? What is y'all's purpose in, in the spread game message? Well, we spread game. We've been around for ninety six years, and each player has the twenty the number twenty two patch on the left side of their jersey, um, symbolizing the legacy of Curly Neal. He was number twenty two. He spent twenty two years with the Globetrotters, and this is twenty twenty two. So we're just trying to spread game of the legacy of that he paved the way for. Kids like me and kids, you know, meaning kids before him. So we coming in, that's, that's spreading the game of the legacy of all the years that we paved the way. We're taking it to another level this year with the fan participation, whether you got the, the pregame Magic Pass or the other Magic Pass or the bench experience. We're we taking it up another level for this tour. All right. Uh, I'm flipping through the roster. Who's, who's the jokester of the team? Like who who on who on the roster likes to cut up? Oh, if we, we we have like probably like over thirty players, and to be on this team, you have to be you have to have that personality. So everybody on the team is a joke. So you got to be a be a globetrotter. You got to be a good person, an entertainer, and number one, you have to be a basketball player. So to be on this team, you got to be able to take jokes and throw jokes. So everybody is the jokes on the team. That's awesome, and you know one one last question, and this one's this one's kind of a, a rhetorical question because we all know the answer. Do the Washington <laughs> Generals have a shot of winning tomorrow night? Uh, no, <laughs> not at all. They do not have a chance. Since I've been on the team, we 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 are undefeated. So I've been on the team for ten years, and since I've been on the team, yeah, we're definitely undefeated. So, and they and I don't plan on losing tomorrow. So Flip White's the reason that the Globetrotters are undefeated, right? You're right. You're right. I am the reason. Fantastic, man. You know, one one last question before I let you run. You know, for for any families that are listening and and looking to go to the game tomorrow night, what what can they expect and how can they get involved? Well, first of all, they need to go on HarlemGlobeTrotters.com, go purchase the tickets. We'll be there tomorrow. It's a family fun entertainment show. You're going to see plenty of pop-line dunks, some amazing trick shots. You know, you might one of the kids might get brought out to the uh, to the court and perform with us. You never know what to expect at a Harlem Globetrotters game. So bring everybody: your grandma, your dad, your brother, your sister, the dog. Bring the entire family because it's family fun entertainment. You never, you, you never, you do not want to miss it, and you never can expect what is going to happen at the game. Fantastic, Flip. I appreciate you taking the time. Y'all have fun tomorrow night, and uh, y'all have fun on the rest of y'all's tour. Thank you so much. Flip White of the Harlem Globetrotters. Let's take a look at the Twitter poll question. Who's cutting down the nets tonight for the National Championship game and the Superdome? So far, 58% say Kansas, 42% say North Carolina. Y'all keep those votes coming. Phone lines again are open 706 Let's take a timeout, and when we come back, Matthew Bruni of 247 Sports will join us to talk about LSU baseball against Auburn this past weekend. 
look at their week ahead and then talk some LSU basketball as well. This is the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more crunch time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Golf's first major is a tradition unlike any other. And now you can bet on who you think will go home with the green jacket on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get 30 to 1 odds on 2015 champ Jordan Spieth, four-time major winning Rory McIlroy, or the 2020 champ Dustin Johnson to make the cut at Augusta. That's right. If any of those players make the cut, you win big. I really like Rory McIlroy to complete the Grand Slam. I like Dustin Johnson to do pretty well, as well as Jordan Spieth to finish in the top 20. So see for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook and take a swing at betting the first major. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and using promo code KLWB to get 30 to 1 odds on Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, or Dustin Johnson to make the cut at Augusta. That's promo code KLWB. You must be 21 or older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. New users only. Must wager and designate offer market. Max bet $5. Restrictions do apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh here on the game. Uh, another name you need to throw on that list is, you know who, the GOAT. The GOAT. I'm telling you right now, if Tiger Woods plays, he instantly has a shot. And because I know the catchphrase, you know, if you play, you got a chance. Forget that. If Tiger Woods plays, he legitimately has a shot. Speaking of Tigers, let's talk LSU Tigers. And here to do that from 247 Sports is Mr. Matthew Bruni. Matthew, good afternoon, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, man. I'm, uh been a been a fun week in sports with the Final Four and that whole Duke North Carolina game, so I'm uh, I'm ready for tonight's uh, championship game. Yeah, man. Who who you got winning? Who do I'll, I'll take Kansas. I'll take yeah. Kansas. That, that that's my thought process. I mean, I, I said that Kansas would have beaten Duke too, had had, had yeah. Duke beaten North Carolina. So yeah, they are rolling. Uh, but let, let's talk about the Tigers, especially Tigers baseball. Uh, you know, only winning one out of three this weekend, losing six to five on Thursday, winning nine to two behind seven strikeouts from Mikael Hilliard, and then falling six to four on Saturday. You know, j- just talk about the series as a whole and, and what went wrong for the Tigers. Yeah. Um, so we talked to Jay Johnson today. Uh, had had a press conference, um, and he was really. He, he's always really good in interviews, really calculated, and he he continues to praise this team's work ethic, their progress, uh, their pitching has given them chances in a lot of these games. I mean, it's not like they're giving up, you know, 13 runs. I mean, they gave up 6-2-6 uh, and six in, in the three games this weekend. I mean, they just couldn't get those timely hits that you need in baseball, you know. It, that's what it comes down to at the end of the day, and you need your, your big players to step up at times, uh, whether that's Morgan, Barry, um, you go down the list of players, and 
it, it's just it hasn't come together yet. And so that's that's what you're is the most alarming thing is that this Auburn team in a in a home series, you know, this Auburn team is not a, a juggernaut that is you know, that that they're gonna face this weekend in Mississippi, the Mississippi State, the the national the reigning national champs. So y- you are concerned that it's not starting to pick up halfway through the season, but at the same time we know this team has enough talent to beat or at least compete with pretty much anybody in the country. So, yeah, it just hasn't come together yet from a fielding perspective, from a pitching perspective. From, uh, and I think most importantly, the bats just haven't been as potent as they need to be yet. You know, looking at the game Thursday night, LSU jumped out to a 2 nothing lead early in the game, but then Auburn puts up six in the fifth. And, you know, that, that's been very abnormal for, for Blake Money this year because he's been he was so dominant before his injury. Do you do you think that he's still feeling the effects from the injury? Do you think that maybe he's not a hundred percent healthy? Maybe, but I don't think he would. He would tell you that, or Johnson will tell you that. I think they expect him to get through, you know, five six innings as you would with any real any starter before getting getting through there. I will say, um, I, I think there's still a lot of trust in money. I think money's fine. I right, will continue to be probably the the, the first. Uh, pitcher they use in these series, but M- Mikhail Hilliard has has been better for the most part. I think over over the past month, so I think it's going to be interesting to see how how they continue to balance that. Um, jo- Johnson was asked today about if he's going to keep that rotation uh, with Dutton as the as the number three pitcher with after Money and Hilliard, and he said they're not sure yet um, that this is going to be an important series to figure out their rotation with the next two being on. Um, Thursday through Saturday series and the rest situation is going to be tough. So I think this weekend will tell us a lot about who they trust pitching um, in those game ones and games two, um, game threes, and uh, what we should expect moving forward. Chatting with Matthew Bruni of 247 Sports. You mentioned Mikhail Hilliard. Uh, he's 3-0 and in six appearances, 4.34 ERA. He's pitched 29 innings, 28 hits, 16 runs, 5 walks, 28 strikeouts, and opponents are hitting 243 against him. So Hilliard Hilliard's really coming around. Do do you do you think that he could contend with Blake Money for that for that Friday night spot? I, I could see it. I, I could see it. Um, I I do think. I mean, you could write the Florida series kind of turn on its head when Hilliard kind of took took the mound, and uh, Auburn obviously the only win was with him on the mound, and so y- you look at all those. Um, Performances, and you're like, okay, maybe Hilliard is fi- figuring it out quicker than any other pitcher that they have, and so so maybe you do um, do that in order to to shake up the, the the rotation and maybe get your bullpen in order for because you know that first game is so important in deciding what arms you're going to have available later on. That and that's what Johnson highlighted time after time that their bats has actually have actually done a good job in that first game getting to the bullpen. Uh, but that on the other side, you need money to go six, seven innings, you know, and that that sets you up for the rest of the, the series. So I think, like I said, this this weekend you will be able to learn a lot about uh, how Johnson perceives um, not only this lineup, because I think there'll be some movement around there, but also um, who takes them out on, on Friday. You mentioned this weekend, you know, they've got Grambling tomorrow at the box, and then they travel to Starkville to play Mississippi State Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mississippi State, like you said earlier, the reigning national champions. They they started the season a little slow, but you know they're they're starting to come together. Also, 
what did Jay Johnson touch on talking about this weekend? What do the Tigers have to do to be successful in Mississippi? Yeah, I I, I think it's an interesting situation because it, last weekend, or I mean, the, the series against Auburn is obviously the one that you want to get your footing uh, going into a series like this, uh, and they weren't able to do it. So now you face a Mississippi State team that did lose the series at Arkansas, but you know that's a very tough place to play, uh, and they won on Sunday. Mississippi State did so. Uh, maybe they're not as potent as they they were last year. Obviously, I mean they're they're seventeen and twelve and four and five overall. But I don't think this LSU team can afford to take anybody for granted. I think uh, the feeling we've seen start to turn around in stretches. I mean they they've had a lot of moments. Um, and, you know, they put the other six or seven innings where they're like, okay, the feeling's back, no errors, we're good. And then it's just one untimely error or one hit-by-pitch uh, from a pitching, from the staff, and it starts to snowball. And I think that's what Johnson said, uh, emphasized the most, was just moving on to the, the next play kind of, next play mentality in a sense that you always hear from coaches and kind of accepting that they are going to make mistakes. Like, this, it's just kind of how baseball works and it's how this team has operated to this point and now it's making the next play and um, that's going to be big for them uh, in this Mississippi State series especially. Chatting with Matthew Bruni of 247 Sports. Talk to me about Alex Malazzo. Is he healthy? Is he back in the lineup? Where, where does he stand? He was uh, he was active this past week uh, this past weekend. Um, he did but then Johnson said he had a little bit of soreness after going through workouts and so they didn't want to push him just because, you know, catching is obviously such a demanding, physically demanding spot um, at times. So so they didn't want to push him. Uh, I, I, they said he – Johnson said he wants to get him out there as soon as possible, you know, as soon as he's healthy because he, he really obviously likes his, his game and they think they need him. But Hayden Travinsky has has still been and done a pretty solid job over the past uh, couple weeks. So um, I think that's, that's, a, that's a spot that they're – they're not, you know, dying if, if if he doesn't come back. You know, it's, it's not the end. But I do think he would make a – he would help um, behind the plate. So, I, I, he was active. They're going to try to get him back. I don't know if he'll play against Grambling. But, you know, if maybe they throw him out there for, for an inning or, or two at the end just to see how he's feeling. I, I'm not sure. Let's go to – let's have a couple of basketball questions now. Um, and obviously the big one is that – uh, out of all the scholarship athletes that were on the roster a year ago, none of them will return in 2022, whether it be NBA or transfer portal. What kind of situation does that put Mac McMahon in? I mean, I know he's gotten the three transfers and two of them being from Murray State, but I mean, what what does the roster even look like right now? Um, bear, <laughs> not a not a lot uh, to it. Uh, like you said, man, just. A- Crazy, crazy situation where all 13 players, scholarship players, are, are not going to be returning. So he has a lot of um, question marks here at this point. And I, I think, obviously, they, they add uh, Justice Hill, point guard from Murray State. They add Trey Hannibal, a backup guard from, from Murray State, who I think is pretty good as well. Um, and they have the Northwestern State forward, Kendall Coleman. So you look at those three as kind of your building blocks moving forward, uh, I think they're going to continue to go portal heavy. Um, I do like Justice Hill a lot as as a, as a point guard. I, I watched the tape, and I was very impressed with what he did 
Um, as a smaller guard, he's six feet tall, but he can shoot it. He can drive it. Um, just a really, really solid player. Um, that's pretty much, I think, Justice Hill is where you start. I have Coleman and Hannibal might be more rotation players. Um, so he still has to go get starters, in my opinion. I think he, knows he needs to go get four other starters outside of the point guard spot. And, you know, once that happens, then um, I think it'll be interesting. He also brought in a 2022 commit from that he had at Murray State as well, but I don't foresee um, him being an immediate impact player for them. So, you know, you just mentioned that he, he needs to go get some more guys. You know, do you do you see him putting a, a signing class together or do you see him heavily attacking the transfer portal to put that together? Um, I mean, it has to be it has to be portal most likely. I, I still think in the 2022 class he'll probably still it, – it's going to be tough because a lot of players are obviously already signed. Um, I could see maybe three – 2022 players, true freshmen, you know, coming in. Uh, however, it'll probably be, I don't say lower end, but it's, you know, a lot of the good players are already signed. And so it's it's going to be tough to, to get out of that. So maybe two, may, probably two um, 2022 commits, and the rest of them are just going to be straight portal. Now you can go younger with portal. Obviously, there's a lot of freshmen in there in the portal. Like we saw Adam Miller from Illinois spent one year there and then came to LSU and so I think that may be the route, but at the same time, nobody, including McMahon and the staff, this program, regardless of sanction situations, wants to go into this year with an incredibly young team and just eat a two-win conference season. Like that's not going to be the approach, I don't think. So I, I I would foresee them going after a few vets, try to go get um, a big that can help them on the inside compete with with some of the sides in the SEC and then kind of build from there. Matthew, Brian Kelly opened up spring practice to the media on Saturday. You know what was what was practice like? Obviously, that being being a new thing, having the practice fully open to the media, and uh, what did you guys see out of out of the Tigers football team? It was it was awesome. It was great. I mean, I I got sunburned, so I guess that wasn't <laughs> great, but. Uh, <laughs> two, two and a half hours in the sun. I guess I wasn't ready for it after the winter. But still, uh, got to see a lot. We, we have a video on our YouTube, you know, about 13 minutes of video from it. We were able to shoot video the first hour, and then the second hour we were not. Um, and then they had 11 on 11 at the end. And, you know, it's even Brian Kelly said, at this moment, the practice that we saw on Saturday, things weren't exactly tiered. You know, it's not like, you know, these guys are the, are the best, like we're going to give them the most reps. And they haven't tiered off their reps just yet. But still, I mean, for us, we know who the best players are for the most part. You know, you watch Mason Smith, and you're like, okay, it doesn't take a genius to say he's really good. Um, and I, I think you go across the board, I've I've been impressed with where the defense is at at this point. We haven't seen much Michael Baskerville, but uh, so the linebacker rotation is going to be interesting. I mean, he's, he's healthy, he's out there, but he's been limited for whatever reason. So it's been Penn, Greg Penn and Mike Jones. So I'm excited about the defense. Um, and then offensively, figuring out who the offensive line is going to be has been the, the toughest thing. I mean, the quarterback competition is always going to be there, but the offensive line has just been shuffling around basically every time I see it. So um, I will say the young players have stood out. Will Campbell has been tremendous. I'm just huge. And Brian Kelly talked about him as well. I mean, he's, he's awesome. So that's that's got to be exciting. And, um yeah, everybody's been bought in, and it's been a good energy out there just from what we've seen in, in the practices we've been to. 
Matthew Bruni of 247 Sports has been our guest. Matthew, appreciate you taking the time, man. Uh, have a good week with, with Tigers baseball, and uh, we'll talk to you down the line. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. Matthew Bruni there. Let's take one more look at the poll question before we head to break. Also, the Saints making moves. They signed Taco Charlton. Why they didn't wait till tomorrow to sign Taco on Taco Tuesday? I don't know. Uh, to me, that just seems like a great marketing move. But, you know, there's a reason I'm not an NFL GM, I guess. Who's going to cut down the nets tonight in New Orleans? 58% of you say Kansas. And 42% say North Carolina. It's going to be interesting. That's going to be a good game. Hubert Davis, Bill Self, Bill Self, Mr. Lifetime Contract. We'll see what happens. 820 tip-off. Once again, you can hear it here on the game. Let's take one more time out. And when we come back, we'll wrap up our Monday. Get you ready for Tuesday. Here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Yep. Yep. Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oof! We got a natty tonight. The North Carolina Tar Heels and the Kansas Jayhawks face off in the Caesar Superdome in the NCAA National Championship game. You can listen to all the exciting action right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Tip-off is set for 8.20 Central Time. Yeah, I know. Late night. Listen to the Tar Heels and the Jayhawks battle it out for the crown right here on Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Got a couple more minutes before we get out of here. James Mesh, what are your thoughts on Taco Charlton? It's another debt piece. I mean, I thought the defensive line already kind of looked good. I was more worried by defensive tackle, I would say, than edge defensive end because with the signing now, you got Cam Jordan and Marcus Davenport each on one side. You also got Peyton Turner. You've got... Tano Passanio, who was really effective this year. In the limited time he played, he pretty much had... I know he he tied his career in sacks. I think he doubled just from last year, and he only played like six, seven games. Then you got Malcolm Roach, you got Tarko Charlton, and you got Carl Granderson. That's a scary, yeah. that's a scary edge. And then you got David Onyemata at defensive tackle, and you're trying to figure out who the other one will be, but you're probably just going to put... Peyton Turner or Marcus Davenport in those spots just to get more push. Right. So I'm, I'm really liking the defensive line getting Taco just in case because you're probably going to see Davenport and Peyton Turner probably go down at some point. Yep. And they're probably going to miss some time just because they have glass bones. I don't get it. Glass bones. <laughs> but it's uh, not bad. It, it's, another, it's not it's, a bad move. It's no, not. because it's another depth piece, which you don't want to have to see Carl Granderson and – Tano out there right. 80% of the time. You only right. want to see him as a rotational piece. So this is nice to give him another person just in case. Right. Yeah, I'm for it. I'm about it. Uh, you probably got him on the cheap, so that's fine. 
one thing I love, you know, with the national championship game being tonight, anytime there's a big championship game, you ever seen the please excuse from work letters? You know what I'm talking about? Where it's like, oh, man, I can't come in tomorrow. Pretty much like that. I like one, how it is with, like, the Monday after the Super Bowl. This one is a letter with – it's a it's addressed from Carolina basketball. To whom it may concern, please excuse blank from work on Monday, April 4th, 2022. As you are probably aware, it is officially an unofficial national holiday as the Tar Heels are playing in the national championship. Blank will need to save all of their energy and positive vibes for the game. If you do not have a team to cheer for, we invite you to watch and support this year's North Carolina Tar Heels. We appreciate your understanding. Go Heels. Thank you. Hubert Davis, head men's basketball coach. <laughs> I love those. I, the, a couple years ago when the Astros won the World Series, or or were getting ready to win the World Series, the, the clinching game, there was a letter like this from A.J. Hinch. And it was like, please excuse so-and-so from work so that they can stay up late watching Game 6 of the World Series or whatever it was. It's just funny. Like, I wonder what happens if somebody would print this, write their name in the blanks, and then actually turn it into work. Like, do you think they actually get the day off? I think it would probably get denied, <laughs> like, if I'm being honest. I just... Like, as a boss, I think that I would have to give them the day off just I for the effort. Well, I didn't. Well, I'm not even going to get my day off because oh. I didn't give because I didn't do two weeks in advance. Well, I only did. One I mean, week. that's that's standard procedure. So yeah, but I mean, it's, I don't. I don't think they would count the national championship either. Even even though we are a sports station, I don't think they would count it. Tomorrow's show will wrap up the national championship. We will talk. We will preview UL and Louisiana Tech. In baseball, Malcolm Butler, the voice of the Bulldogs, will join us to break that series down. We'll take your phone calls, as always, 706-0111. And we'll start previewing the Masters. We've got a huge guest lined up for Wednesday to talk the Masters with us. Uh, so it'll be a fun week with college basketball ending, the draft getting closer and closer, and then the greatest golf tournament in history is this weekend. That'll do it for this episode of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well. Hug your mom and them. Rock chalk. We'll talk to you all tomorrow on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Have a good night, everybody.